This is the Be Helpful Podcast, where conversations with budding entrepreneurs prepare you for the wild journey of building a business or side hustle. All right, today I get to sit down and talk to Brandon David Hawkins, uh, an awesome entrepreneur that I got to meet at Black Tech Week in Cincinnati a few weeks ago. Uh, he's the co-founder and connector, which is a really cool title, um, at Music Tech Ventures. And he's also the founder of, Gra- of Grassroots Communication Technologies, which is a c- consulting firm. Brandon David, how's it going? Amazing, man. Such, a, such an honor uh, to be on this call with you. And I'm looking forward to an amazing conversation and getting um, being able to not just speak with you, but also speak to this amazing community you've been growing. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, we so we briefly connected um, in Cincinnati um, at a great event, Black Tech Week. Recommend it for anyone that, uh, who wants to go next year. Um, and we ended up kind of chatting uh, via Zoom kind of a couple of weeks ago and just vibed off of just this this thrill and passion for entrepreneurship and helping entrepreneurs. Um, and and before we dive into the conversation, I start every episode or every interview with, what did you want to be growing up? Because I'm curious about how that connects to what you're doing now. Wow, man. Um, pro basketball player uh, was one. Um, singer. Okay. DJ. Um, music like Rolling Stones, music writer. DJ, but DJ was definitely like one of the first things I was commissioned to, you know, when you had to give a book report, maybe like middle school or, or whatever about like, yo, what do you want to be? And I felt very strongly about like being a, um, being a disc jockey, like old school, you know, like almost like what a podcast yeah. is now. So um, that was, yes, I'm still growing up though. So it's, so. <laughs> no, I like it. We share that in common. We both had hoop dreams. Um I just unfortunately retired at 17. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got you, you had a little longer career than I did. <laughs> um, all right, so so that's that's funny. You said you know being a DJ and being a singer and songwriter has always been a passion. Because one of my questions is, where does this passion for music and technology come from? So is it from your parents? Was it you know you were just in love with music? Where did it come from? Yeah, so getting introduced to music after sports were not really an option for me, but as sports kind of faded from my life, from a dream aspect and, and just very active aspect, music just became more and more kind of that connector that I fell in love with. Um, a lot of the music I was hearing on Napster or getting exposed to via LimeWire and the live music scene, the Jack Johnson's Ben Harper's, um, the roots, seeing all those groups coming up, um, was very inspiring. So I, and then getting to see regional groups too, that were rising, I became like a bona fide super fan and then eventually got passionate about, um, writing my own stuff. My own music was very therapeutic. And then when I found out other people were into it and we built a band, not even realized we were building a business, right. That, we were building a band and as much as I liked being on stage and felt home on stage, what I found was it was more sustainable to put people on stage 
when I got an opportunity in promotions, um, grassroots marketing, music business kind of stuff, learning about publishing, I not only fell in love with the stage, but I, I fell in love with connecting people to that ecosystem, building up the community in the regional local scene, getting to experiment with bands and artists in their startup stage. And I had this real radical idea at the time when I was getting turned on to um, business development, leadership and personal growth, leadership development, personal growth, the, the John C. Maxwell, Zig Ziglar's, um, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People material. I said, man, like it would be awesome if other artists, bands, people in the music business were able to get connected and access to the same people I and information I get access to. Yeah. And so it was a man named Rob Critchlow that the tech side. So I was really mentored in the music business side and this man named Rob Critchlow and his family, he was, um, instead of sending his son to college, traditional college, he knew he was really passionate about engineering and producing music. So he built in the house, he took what he would have invested in his son and in his children in the college careers and built out a recording studio in the home. I was brought in to kind of help on the development side of that because we were already building community um, in the entertainment sector in Cleveland. And uh, he became not only a mentor, but a father figure to me. And I was pretty much adopted into there as like their fourth child. What's interesting about Rob Critchlow, though, is he is one of the, his technology was, he was the founder of the technology at MRI, which is major software um, real estate software pioneers mm-hmm. in the real estate space. So I just kept getting exposed to somebody who was a real pioneer in um, giant slayer of industry, as far as you know, somebody who understood the grassroots components to building a multi-billion dollar business. And he poured that into me, poured that into his children. Yeah. But I think I think I personally um, being adopted into the family, grabbed a hold of it without realizing it. And so having that leadership development at the heart of our home, at the heart of our business as a family really brought the two worlds together. Cause I was already mentored by, you know, my, my good friend, I call him, he's like my adopted uncle, Larry Coble, Alondi Vicarone, Sam LaPanza. These are like music business um, pioneers in Northeast Ohio that took me under their wing, but it was Rob Critchlow really in the family that brought the music tech side together and working with the family. And, and, uh, and so I would say that's what really brought it. And then when later when we got really involved in music tech, I realized, oh my goodness, I've been adopted into this stuff. And this, you can't make it up. <laughs> no, man, that's, that's awesome. And it, it's so funny you say MRI because I, I worked in college. I was a uh, leasing consultant. So I used to work in MRI a lot. So it's kind of funny um, that the moment you said it, I was like, the real estate tool? Yeah, so that's and, pretty and cool. And now he consults for MRI and their competition, Yardi, and Redirect. So he's not only an amazing advisor with Music Tech Connection and with everything that we do, him and his wife are just some of the best people. But now, in my, now that I'm a little older, I take more time when I'm with them. And I ask these questions. I realize, man, I wish I would ask more questions about how they founded this company and 
And um, especially I call her Mrs. C, Debbie Critchlow, his wife. She's the secret sauce to the success of the family. Um, and who she prays to is the secret, is even more secret sauce. <laughs> Not so but she, uh, she just would share some of those early days. And he would share with me, you know, things like how he got kind of thoughts of jealousy when he saw bigger companies, kind of companies that were rising stars real fast that were doing the same things that they make the cover of Inc. Magazine. And one of his mentors told him, don't rob, don't get distracted with the glass buildings that you're seeing popping up. Keep doing the grassroots things, keep doing the core foundational things and watch. Our goal is to be around for the long haul yeah. And and he said, he says some of those companies where MRI was at, um, they're gone. He said they were gone. They were spending all that money and doing all that stuff. They were gone within five years. Um, MRI is still here, right? So he was part of something that, that has been in it for the long haul. And I really, I think subconsciously also, I took that into this emerging tech space. Because if anybody who's hip mm -hmm. to what's going on in emerging technologies, whether it's AI, blockchain, crypto technology, all that, all that stuff, non-fungible token technology, is what you're hearing is a lot of people have moved out of that space. Gary Vaynerchuk mm -hmm. talked about it too. He he predicted that. Not not unnormal for Gary V to predict something when it comes to emerging technologies, right? And so interactive yeah. social communities. But a lot of those companies have failed. They got a lot of early investment. But what we're seeing is the resilience of people, the resilience of character. Yeah. And what we're also seeing is people who maybe they didn't get in super early on the emerging technologies, but we saw a company just pitch at the National Entrepreneur Center that said uh, they're doing a construction play. And they're doing a construction, insurance, technology play. And they said a lot of people are getting out of the whole crypto technology space. He says, so we're getting in. He said, we're moving in. He said, a lot of people are moving out. Yeah. We're moving in. And that's behind the scenes, whether it's banking institutions, record labels, uh, movie production houses, many, especially financial institutions, they are moving. Whenever you see something kind of blasted in the mainstream media, there's usually some yep. people behind the scenes, you know, that are using their due diligence and they're, they're moving it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. I, I, it's all a cycle and, and the, the kind of cycle that I always see is something gets really, really hot. Everyone floods to it. Um, because naturally people get excited and, you know, unfortunately sometimes greed <laughs> takes over. People want to kind of take advantage of it then it kind of plummets. But then there's this kind of slow rise of the real functional use cases that become the backbone of the future. And I think that that's where a lot of these kind of Web3 companies that have fizzled out in the past, you're going to start seeing a couple that once the mainstream says, oh, no, that makes 100% sense. That's practical. I can use that in my day-to-day -day life that's when I think the masses will start adopting it. And so that's, um, that's really cool to, 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 to think and have a mentor that kind of really emphasize the importance of the slow build and kind of being the tortoise. There's a lot of wisdom in being the tortoise um, rather than- Yeah, or our, we represent a company called Sea Turtle Creative. So 
you know, <laughs> you, you can also, yeah, this, this, I just imagine the sea turtle just going way faster, you know, <laughs> than a traditional tortoise. So I like, I like that approach also. When, yeah. And also when you're, when the turtle's in the right water, like if you're a sea turtle, you know, if you're on land, you're going slower. But when you, yeah. we looked at water, like atmosphere, yeah. when you put the person who's committed to the long haul process and growth in the right atmosphere, whether that's an incubator, accelerator, work environment, community, country, city, whatever that atmosphere looks like, they, it's a whole new ball game. You're right. You're so right that you're so right. It is about, no, that's, that's a really good perspective. Cause even I'm thinking about it with, with, with my business, Yensel, and we're having these conversations of, do we, do we, go full trying to get VC or do we just take the, Hey, we're just building a solid kind of business over time and we'll just kind of let it build. And you're right. There's, it's about environment. Right. And like, we're, I think we're trying to find that right environment to kind of grow at the appropriate pace for our business. So that's a really good, good perspective. Yeah. I would like to take it, you know, just to piggyback off of that is when you think about, a sports player that's really looking, let's just look at a sports player as if they were a startup themselves mm -hmm. and they're getting scouted. They're looking for the process, but really everything part of it, like you hear, um, I think Messi, Messi. Yeah. I knew we were going to talk about soccer. Um, Messi <laughs> was just in Nashville, rocked it out. Um, but he, uh, you know, Messi ends up moving to Miami, coming into the league. It was a courting process. Yeah, I heard Apple was involved in that. Adidas was involved in that. But you look at that sports player was offered way more to go to another country that I'm just not going to name on this. But he was offered right. way ridiculously, like 10x the amount to go yeah. um, to another country. But he chose to go to Miami. Okay. So when it comes to joining as a sports player would look at, it's not just about salary. It's also the team. There's some people like Steph Curry and, and players part of that dynasty that took less money so that they could be part of a greater team. And yeah. from a startup perspective, a lot of that has to, I think when the startups are looking, I think sometimes they're looking to raise funds when what they really need to look for is a healthy incubator. Yeah. 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 You're so right. I, it's so funny that I've never actually thought of this analogy to this extent. And I love sports and I love entrepreneurship and it's, it's kind of shocking, but it's no difference that from Draymond Green, who is a hall of fame player, some might argue he might not be a hall of fame player if he's on a different team in a different environment. And sometimes you just have to find that environment that you best thrive in. So I, I, I think your, I think your analogy is, is spot on. Um, so, so one more kind of kickoff question, because I, and I want to talk more about community and, and creative entrepreneurship. Talk to me a little bit about what exactly music tech is and what was your first action when you started it? Okay, from like music tech, um, music tech yeah. as a community, like music tech connection started during the pandemic as the music tech media summit. We called it the keep it moving music tech media summit 
for artists and entrepreneurs to pivot and pave the way for the future. So that that start of the music tech community that people are starting to be able to participate in and see like on LinkedIn, we'll, we'll make posts and we have these monthly meetups virtually and we, we get to do in-person meetups and private connect groups and things like that. Um, but this, the origins of that was in pre-pandemic, we were very passionate about creating a creative arts and business incubator in the Northeast Ohio region, where you'd have a world-class recording studio, you'd have your film, um, film production, all of that good stuff, podcasting capabilities and cooperative podcasting in the mix with accountants, attorneys, um, advisors, consultants, nonprofits, all in one building. You know, consistent events happening, co-working, creative co-working, collaboration all that stuff. Well, the pandemic hits and that got, what we had to do was we had to shift and pivot to the cloud to be able to do these virtual meetups. And a good friend and mentor, um, after inviting me to be on like a Shark Tank style as an advisor on a Shark Tank style uh, boot camp kind of, um, Mm -hmm. like five hour meeting, uh, the light bulb went on for me. We have to start the Music Tech Media Summit to help artists and entrepreneurs pivot and pave the way for the future. We started doing that monthly, inviting people instead of just regionally now, we can invite people from all over the world, had some amazing uh, guest speakers, um, showcasing them and just having rich conversations. Over time, that went from monthly conversations to finding ourselves in these clubhouse rooms, hearing our friend Natalie Crew schooling MC Hammer at like after midnight Eastern Standard Time. And I'm going, Wise Blau, Dead Mouse, and then particularly MC Hammer. Listen, well, how, why, what is going on? Why are they up late listening to about NFTs and learning? And why are they, why is MC Hammer listening to, to Natalie Crew? So, so right. instead of just reaching out, MC Hammer, I reached out to Natalie, reached out to some other key people in the community on, on this that were in these late night conversations and this like almost like underground ass cloud community. And and I invited him on the Music Tech Media Summit. And it was on it was like I think January, February 2021 that I saw our conversations shift to emerging technologies. And we never looked back. We started the weekly um, music tech media hour on clubhouse. We kept doing the music tech media summit. Eventually we did different reiterations of it. Um, we were able to partner and collaborate with other movers and shakers across the globe. So we did like, you know, the web three, we did a web three version of it for a while. We did the emerging music tech connect. And then we just settled in on, you know what, it's all coming together. Emerging technologies, traditional music business is becoming more tech. We're just going to hold music, yeah. the music tech connected. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty dope. And I, I also love the fact that it started out from an event that you were asked to be a part of. And you're just like, ah, this could be super powerful. That's really cool. Yeah, I was inspired. You know, I got a template out of that. And, we, and now that I see that we're moving more into the incubator accelerator spaces um, and building our community more, more with incubation in mind is um, it was a template that I saw 
And that's yeah. the power. We just ran a social capital accelerator. We run these two to three times a year to help people raise rich relationships while they're raising their, raise their relational capital while they're raising their physical capital and building their teams right. that we found that from a social capital standpoint is very helpful for people to be able to, you know, putting more of an emphasis on relational capital instead of just yeah. physical people can get distracted and miss the opportunities right in front of them. Yeah. It's, it, it's also interesting because so much of, you know, I'm, I'm a year and a half in being a full-time entrepreneur and you start realizing the power and the importance of team. Um, and not just from the, oh, you've got the operator, you've got the tech person. It's like, no, you just mentioned the attorneys, the accountants, like there's a whole ecosystem that has to come together and work effectively to grow a business. And every business is different. So I'm curious, especially in the creative space where um, extremely talented individuals in a specific musical niche or, you know, some type of creative skill set or artistic skill set, how do they engage? How do they react to working with traditionally non-creative folks? <laughs> like, how, like, how does this team work? Um, I'm, I'm very just curious about your incubator and how you bring these folks together. Yeah, personally, it's a breath of fresh air that I see. My perspective yeah. that I see the response of the creative entrepreneurs is they it's it's a breath of fresh air on both ends like we just had our um, monthly social capital saturday where we bring executives and entrepreneurs together and many of them are creative entrepreneurs and they have many of them are executives and advisors financial um you know as far as investor relations side and it's i feel like for the traditional business people they tend to adopt the creative entrepreneur, they more look at them like they see their younger self or somebody they care about. And, and there's a heart connection there. So it's, it's, uh, and then for this, you know, I think as much as a lot of music culture and things like that has been birthed out of rebellion to traditional, um, traditional norms, societal norms, we see definitely though the the combination of comfort through instruction in having having those conversations were like oh they might have bucked against something but until they had the relationship and saw that there was respect there the re, it's interesting the respect of the um I, I just think we get from an investor relations and um a lot of our best investor relations connectors happen to be attorneys and some of the greatest new school artist managers, and I think traditional artist managers, also happen to be attorneys. So helping lay a foundation for the artist to not just be an artist, but to really begin to see their intellectual property as businesses, products, and, and the importance of not just having a traditional um, management team, but really structuring it more like a business moving forward has been, those relationships have been very helpful to see come together. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. Um, obviously, you're in the space. It, it's it's interesting because you don't necessarily think of 
musicians as businesses. Now, some of the wildly successful ones you do, right? Um, but I think that there's a delineation that we've kind of historically made with like, you're a musician and then there's the music business and kind of that merging of, hey, I'm, I'm yes, I'm the artist, comma, CEO of <laughs> this business. Um, I think it, it is an interesting evolution. And it is very fascinating to know that attorneys are the ones that seem to be kind of most on it, most hip to the game. Um, have you found, as you've been building this community and kind of moving towards this incubator approach, how have you thought about your business model and how the business is structured? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a nonprofit? No. No, we we, went with it's not we work non-profit. with nonprofits. Okay. Um, there, it's okay. very likely there will be a solid nonprofit birth um, out of our okay. community efforts, um, as far as as well as other other um, companies. We're not just limited to say just one nonprofit will come out of what we're doing and incubating. But no, we are currently um, through Music Tech Ventures. So you have the venture side that's being built. Mm-hmm. That is a for-profit business. And then you also have my personal consulting business that that, that uh, they're both uh, for profit, but we represent we represent nonprofit um, business owners and we represent for profit business owners as well and advisors. Got it. Okay. Uh, sorry, my apologies. No, no. So, I say social capital is a good social entrepreneurship. Is really you know, we yeah, we, yeah. we uh, definitely, and I don't mean that in the traditional sense, like real social. We have fun. We put the fun in fundraising. <laughs> I like it. So, so to that point with your business model, as you've kind of been thinking about it and moving towards this incubator uh, format, what's been the biggest challenge? Like what, what, what have you kind of as the business owner found to be the most challenging? Letting it cook, letting mm. and specifically letting the community cook. You know, mm. Gary V. I was helping uh, run a landscaping business or like from the consulting side and just uh, on the job. And I would listen to these gear. This is a few years back, probably approximately a few years ago. And I'd have my headphones on listening to Gary V and other John C. Maxwell, Donald Miller, other great leaders. And he, he really said something that hit home for me. When it comes to building community, you know, you've got to, you don't want to pull a knockout punch right out the gate. You have to keep bringing value, keep bringing value, keep bringing value, keep bringing value. Oh, here's a service offering. Keep bringing value. Keep bringing value. Here's a service offering. Keep bringing value. Keep bringing, here's a membership opportunity. Keep bringing value. Keep bringing value. And so in those seasons of continuing to bring value, the challenge has been, um, the challenge has been don't try to monetize too early mm-hmm. <laughs> and still, you know, so developing yeah. and that's where the, the grassroots communication technology side from a consultancy standpoint, because um, you want to build trust. You know, yeah. we hear I hear from one of the greatest leaders in the Cleveland networking business scene. His name is Jeff Hexter. Jeff says you got to know, like, trust and be remembered. They got to know you, they got to like you, they got to trust you, and they got to remember you. So when they have a reason to utilize your services or what you do, 
they think of you first. Um, and so, yeah, so we are now exploring more of what membership and service and service offerings can okay. look like. And so, and we believe the future, I mean, for us and for me personally, uh, it was during Art Basel that uh, this past year that uh, um, somebody run, manages billions of dollars of funds. I was blessed to really sit down and just get poured into by this person. And he said, look, he says, if you try to live off of retainers the rest of your life and consultancy fees, he goes, you're missing the big opportunity. He says, you want to participate in the long game and make sure that you're able to participate in the long run equity wise in these in these businesses that have been birthed and, and then you're helping scale. So uh, I believe membership and for everybody, if you're listening to this as an owner, you know, sometimes you owning your own business is just your skin in the game to something greater. And, yeah. and what I want to encourage you is access. Good friend of mine, he says, B, he goes, they think I'm about the money. He goes, I'm not about the money. I'm about the access. Mm -hmm. And so access is very important. So access, you'll see the rise of access and memberships. And then also lining up with these emerging technologies, we'll see the rise of ownership. I think those are the two things that every in data ownership of data specifically, but membership and ownership, equity and ownership of assets are going to be very uh, important in the days ahead, and that's what we're looking looking at as a long term revenue model, um, in a sustainable model is is equity and equity slash ownership and access. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like it. There's one of the things that really kind of stood out when we were talking um, is kind of this power of relationships and kind of this, the importance of really connecting with the people that you work with and that you interact with. And so I, I, a conversation or a topic that comes up a lot on the podcast uh, is networking and the art of networking and kind of how it works. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of folks about their discomfort with networking <laughs> and, and, and sometimes how um, uh, the intentionality of networking can sometimes rub people the wrong way. I'm just curious in your mind, kind of what advice or kind of lessons have you learned over the years um, about building genuine long-term relationships, even if they don't necessarily pay out immediately, right? Yeah, I'll say first off, I want to shout out the book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Some, okay. some of the greatest relationship builders I've ever seen have been strongly encouraged by that book, um, including, and, and I've been blessed to uh, be, you know, begin going through that again. I think one of the most dangerous things we could do you say, I already read that. I already listened to that. I already watched that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I saw a sign recently in Cleveland, Ohio, that said, uh, what defines a man isn't the books he reads, but the books he rereads over and over mm. again. That's a good one. So I think a big part of it is understanding the art and science of networking, human nature, um, investing in, in, um, whether it's master classes, books, material, asking questions, interviewing people, great way to build social capital and network per se, 
start a podcast, right? Um, it's yeah. what you can do. I think this is something I've learned to push really hard is bringing value to the other person. And how can I bring value? Whether it's supporting a business that doesn't necessarily have to be financially, it can be, you know, um, for me in the music business, it was carrying a guitar case. If I, if I wanted to get in, whether it was a band that I was seeing, I wanted an opportunity or wanted to grow the relationship. Hey, can I carry a guitar case? Hey, can I, can I help you load your merch table? Wow. Service. Service is a pathway to rich relationship. Is Because um, even if they don't let you do it at that time, they remember if you genuinely are willing to do it. And I also used to get so caught up in networking that I had to get checked in my younger years because the, our, our, my music mentor said, and, and manager of the business I was part of, he said, um, yeah, you know, he'd love to have you roadie if you actually roadie when you're there. Not just network <laughs> backstage. Like, do the, it's cool to build the relationships. Get that. Yeah. But also do the work. Yeah. So I, I think sometimes yeah. we, we, you know, you've got to watch that we don't. Dave Ramsey says, you don't have a dream go wash some dishes till you get one. And, yeah. and if you're interested <laughs> in the hospitality business, that's one of the greatest, most noble things you can do service wise. Because if you're, those dishes ain't clean, no, it don't matter how good the food is. So whether, whether internships, internships, making connections, like we have some amazing people part of our, I shout out Keith D. Smith out of Miami, originally from Nashville. I mean, this guy just makes it his goal. I'm going to make a hundred connections for people. And this is my quarterly or yearly, whatever, like fruitful connections. So I get emails from some of, sometimes he's reintroducing me to people that I dropped the ball on. That's, that's, that's a true connector. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, and I think about a book called networking kills, uh, by, uh, you know, even the way it's kind of come up, it's by Mark Maxwell. I've been blessed to spend time with him and his wife here in Nashville. Amazing, amazing family, amazing people. And he wrote that because he felt like you ever been at a, at a networking meeting and it's just like, Hey, Hey, what do you, what's your name? What you do? What's your LinkedIn? Da, da, da. Yeah. And it's like, boom, you yeah. know, they're on to the next one. Cause they're meeting some kind of quota. Yes. Yes. Then there's, okay, you could still say what you do, you could still find out what they do, you could still get the LinkedIn connection, but where is the personal heart connection? Where is the thing that you can remember? How can you use a business card? I'll just put the Future Land business card there. Cleveland, uh, Ohio, shout out, October 5th through 7th. If you're watching this later than that, um, the ecosystem is alive and well and flowing like a river in Cleveland. So, so. Um, bring that around. I uh, just took that little commercial for Futureland, but uh, amazing <laughs> conference um, and ecosystem that's being built. But uh, you know, but okay, I have this card. Boom, you know, like Jeff Hexter out of Cleveland. What he does is he writes down how he met the person, you know, or something about them when he receives the card, and he and he makes sure he has something that he can follow up with them. I just met somebody at home studios here in Nashville, really, really cool co-working for musicians and producers. And this woman, legacy woman who's helping manage her son's career said, um, that's how she built her business was writing that thing on the back of the card or taking a, a note card 
in doing that. So it's how you use the tools, the finesse that you use those tools and all, you know, use that, use that connection, the follow-up, you know, they say the fortune is in the follow-up, the fortune is yeah. follow-up. And, and also the fortune is in what value, what value you bring in that follow-up. And sometimes yeah. no, I think three, four, five times connect with somebody before they're like, they're comfortable and feel like they have enough trust with you to do something. Yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. It, I've been at a lot of those networking events or just events where you are meeting people in your kind of same professional space. And, you know, I'm a systems guy. Everything kind of comes down to some system that I can kind of not have to think about actively. And I try to make the goal very simple. I want to walk out of this event with one genuine relationship. I'm going to meet 15 people. I'm going to have new connections on LinkedIn and like, I'm going to randomly see them like something of like, how do I know this person again? But if I can just meet one person that when I pull up my contact list in my phone or I pull up my notepad, I can simply say, Hey, we chatted about, um, how much we, you know, were disappointed that this team lost the game and they're building so-and-so. And and I said that I want to connect them to my friend from college, right? Like then following up and then you actually have like a real interaction and real connection. Um, I think that there's just such a great power in, you know, keeping the goal simple, right? It's not networking. Isn't about meeting a ton of people. It's about, you know, having deep relationships with a handful of people. Um, because the deeper the relationship, the more their network becomes your network. And, and I think that that's really we, powerful. We just had this conversation. It's cool. We were at Pinewood Social in uh, Nashville here. Mm-hmm. And it's like my, it's like coming home every time I'm there. It's like Nashville's living room. So we're sitting down and, and we were talking about, I was with Zach Lindenberg, who's one of our key strategists, part of the Music Tech Connect community. And we were just talking about the power of the one person. That mm-hmm. And sometimes it's all right. In many cases, it's all right to skip that bigger, flashier looking thing, whether it's a conference, to do something more intimate, smaller circle, even if it's that, hey, my best friend's coming in from out of town versus what's best for that relationship and weighing right. out. Is, hey, is there going to be more conference opportunities? Is there going to be more of these networking meeting opportunities versus an intimate dinner with one other person or three or four people are sitting the power of a coffee conversation, literally one-on-one cup of coffee. Uh, the former CEO of Tractor Supply Plus um, had said, he said that he built his career to become, when he eventually became a lot of the backbone to his career where, that eventually led to him transforming Tractor Supply Plus as CEO and, and just rock star career is is he would find articles in the newspaper of noteworthy news of entrepreneurs and business people that were noted in the news and interesting influencers of the day. And he would um, either mail them or cold call them and congratulate them and ask them if he could take them out for a cup of coffee and learn more about their story. That's amazing. Pre-podcasting, pre-podcasting, pre-all that stuff, right? So, um, and there was people doing that and i think we need to understand and and 
we what would be helpful for us is to understand that these principles have been applied for years and if we could take as much value and honor what these giant pioneers giant slang pioneers did of industry then and understand what would they do now if they had the yeah. technology that we had access to because if we can understand the the history that they made with just what they had and now it's like that it's like we were talking earlier michael jordan versus lebron james Exactly. I mean, you know, who's greater, James A. Naismith, who was shooting hoops in a basketball crate, or LeBron James? You can't compare the two. But we right. learn. We learn from the generations. And then we, we should always be building on the shoulders of, of these giant slayers that came before us. Yeah. No, you're, 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 you're so right. It, some of my favorite books, um, one of the questions I'll ask are books that you recommend and because we, we have a library on, on the podcast website that people can just kind of pick a topic and find books that have inspired other entrepreneurs. Um, but one of my favorite books is Principles by Ray Dalio. And I just remember I, I had only gotten maybe 20 minutes into the book. And I immediately said, this is exactly what I've been looking for. Someone who's gone through life and gone through their business and is going to just break down the principles of what they did. Because ultimately, no matter what technology comes, what the future looks like, it's all the same underlying principles. It's just being, it's, it's just being applied in new circumstances and new technologies and new environments. So I think you're, you're absolutely spot on. There's, if we can consistently find a way to learn from the past and learn from the old entrepreneurs, older entrepreneurs or the entrepreneurs that come before us. Um, I think that it'll help us build better habits, build better systems. Yeah. So what I wanted to say about that, speaking of like leadership books, but I also want to shout out a top advisor that we've been blessed to have multiple times on the music tech connect, uh, Matei from digital science media. He also started the Indie Artist Accelerator Music Vitamins Showcase in New York City. And it's interesting because he really, really promotes the Ray Dalio book. Um, super big. And when he's talking about, you know, he started showcasing the books that he uh, reads and he's making that a huge part of artist entrepreneurial culture and really shouts out the Ray Dalio stuff on a regular basis. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's such a good book. Um, I joke I joke and say, you know, <laughs> Ray Dalio describes kind of his mentality and the way he describes his the approach to business and life is very much what I've always envisioned my older self being like. <laughs> so um, it, it it does resonate, and I think that um, his kind of fundamental approach to, hey, I've been here, and the only thing I can do is just give back and like teach everybody what I learned and how I did it and where I screwed up. Um, I really, I really respect that and appreciate it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Books, books are a huge part of, um, about everything we do. We had started more than master. We started something called the more than a mastermind series. Mm -hmm. And we birthed that with a woman named Claudia 1 million. She's a financial educator, media personality, leadership 
Um, she's part of the leadership team at John C. Max. She's a John C. Maxwell certified leader. Mm. And so we were able to go through uh, 15 invaluable laws of growth by John C. Maxwell. Mm. Uh, that birthed the more than a mastermind community within what we're doing. And we also went right into John C. Maxwell's 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. And those are the kind of books that I would say the John C. Maxwell 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership is foundational. Dale Carnegie's uh, book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, has been a strong point of reference. Dr. Miles Monroe is a huge, um, I think, underrated or, or undiscovered hmm. um, for many people, um, where he has a book called The Fatherhood Principle. But he also writes tons of stuff, tons of stuff on transformational leadership. And Gary V's uh, got some stuff that I've listened to on Audible. Yeah. Uh, definitely, you know, so yeah, definitely that leadership, personal growth, autobiographical, uh, the redemption of an Johnny Cash, the redemption of an American icon by Greg Laurie mm-hmm. from an autobiographical or from a biographical standpoint. Yeah. Um, docu- you know, his sister said that she believes that Johnny would have definitely co-signed the book if he was around today. He, she felt like that was the most authentic uh, version of, of of a biography on his behalf is is Johnny Cash, the redemption of an American icon. That's awesome. It's it's one of those um, books or books. I've never been like a major reader. Um, I think as I've gotten older, I've started to appreciate books a lot more. I've never I've never been like a fiction reader. I'm always like nonfiction nonfiction self help type of person. Um, but what I've found is there's just countless perspectives out there and there's no harm in getting as many as possible <laughs> because you can kind of sift through it and kind of figure out a couple nuggets here and a couple nuggets there. And, you know, when I think about books, I had a guest on the podcast um, a while back and he said something, he said, every book I read, I have to write eight takeaways. And I was like, why eight takeaways? It was like, because it's just, it's just a little bit more than I could just BS. I could BS five things that came that I learned from a book. Once I start to get into eight to eight, seven or eight, that's when I actually have to go back and like, look at my highlighted notes and just say, Oh, this is another thing. And I thought that was like a really smart way of just forcing yourself to be very intentional about what you're learning about books. Um, and, 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 and I find that that's some of the best ways or some of the cheapest ways to invest in yourself as an entrepreneur. Um, another kind of theory that I'm just curious about your perspective um, before we start getting to some of the, the, the quick hitter conclusion questions is I've found that the growth as an entrepreneur very much coincides with the growth of a human. <laughs> so like the better you become at a, as a communicator, the better you become as a leader and a business owner, the better you become at um, being more of a, being able to respond to things rather than reacting to things you become a better entrepreneur and you also become a better spouse or partner. Do you find those kind of same paths or same um, kind of parallel development areas? 100%. Yeah. 100%. You might have a great product 
Steve Jobs had a great product and he got booted from his own company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until he, he ate some humble pie, went through the process and learned about through marketing. It was, I believe, a Listerine commercial that he helped produce with the early founders of Pixar. Mm. It was that relationship that he built serving another company that was serving another company. They started to understand what this marketing thing is all about. Yeah. Relationships. Yeah. And then he came back and made history. Yeah. Long haul. A good product, a gift will get you through the door, but it's your character that will keep you there. Yeah. Which I've learned that in books. Yeah. Whether it's the Book of Proverbs or John C. Maxwell. Yeah. You know, and you hear these great Zig Ziglar, these people, it's we're there's no harm in reiterating the truth over and over and over again until it becomes one with your soul, one with your being. And that's, I think you have to have a personal relationship. Even for me, vertically, I, it was in some of the hardest moments that I had to cry out to that vertical relationship and for that vertical relationship that I got to experience love from other people mm. know that it wasn't from other people. Yeah, It was connected to here. So it's that behind-the-scenes relationship that you have in incubation. I just go to incubation again. Like if a, if a business is at risk of surviving in its early stages, it needs a good incubator. Yeah. If, a baby, if a baby is birthed and it's at risk, even think about what the womb is. Yeah. The womb is a nine-month incubation period. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Nobody has even seen that product, that baby. I'm not trying to equate babies <laughs> are way more valuable than any product on this earth. Yeah, Just saying, of course. Okay. So I'm not trying to equate that, but I mean, from a, okay. The product hasn't been seen yet. The baby hasn't been seen yet, but it's alive. It's being nourished. Then it's birth. If the baby is at risk going public or going to market, yeah. it, it has to go in an incubator yeah. until it's safe to be incubated in a home. AKA a factory, a business, a, a digital marketplace, right? A team. So even in that small team, you know, you go from mother's womb, idea, mother's womb to, um, you know, to the mother's arm. If it's at, if it needs an incubator, extra help, it gets extra help. Then it's in a smaller group, family unit. You get some other businesses in there, other products in there. It's a family and, Eventually, over time, I think we we try to slow cook this stuff too fast. And you slow cook a product, or you slow cook a baby. Yeah. There's problems. Yeah, and no, for the record, like if you're in that cannibalistic thing, we do not promote that. We, uh, <laughs> not at all. And you need to quit. You need to quit. I'm from what country you're in. <laughs> I appreciate the the the, the hard stance. <laughs> Um, no, so so you know, in 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 the spirit of kind of incubation, um, what? How would you describe the stage that your business is in? Right, I I like thinking of, I like asking every every guest, what do you see your business um, as five years from now? So I'm curious, kind of, what stage are you in now, and and what do you hope that that your business becomes over the next few years? Oh, that's good. Somewhere, somewhere between the birthing and the first few years, right? If that, if that, because um, there's new things like we're actually now the relationships and the value, the substantial value in relationships have been birthed and have been nourished. 
and now we're we're really able to start putting some infrastructure around this thing and the relationships are ripe enough to bring services and extra help and yeah. uh, to really, really help to get this thing fine tuned, you know, and we really see ourselves as a farm league, as a healthy farm league for um, major things to go to the world um, and major people, you know, we believe we've met some of the most influential people that the world hasn't met yet yeah. and that we get to work with. So there's that, there's that cross of generations that are in there, but I'll say five years, next three to five years. I mean, I'd love to see us deployed at least $2 billion in capital. I'd love to see us um, help create incubation homes and, and firm foundations for hundreds of businesses. Um, would love to see multiple hundred thousand plus square foot facilities that are creative opportunity zones for collaboration and advisory and and incubation and acceleration across the nation and across the world. That's awesome. I like it. What, um, okay. So I got two quick hitter questions for you. Um, before we wrap, what is a misconception that you had about entrepreneurship before you became an entrepreneur or, and, or other common misconceptions that you come across when you work with entrepreneurs? Uh, I, you know, I, I believe the journey of entrepreneurship is a becoming process. Mm. It's really becoming who you already are and made to be. Yeah. I think we've just been exposed and, and participated in systems that aren't conducive to our, to our original DNA. Mm. We were made to create, yeah. we were made to protect, we were made to nourish and be nourished. Uh, so I say misconceptions and for me personally, I didn't really, it took a mentor to tell me that I was a marketer. It took a mentor to tell me that I was a manager of, you know, of a band and then eventually a brand. Yeah. It took uh, a mentor to tell me that I was a connector and a host. It helped, it helped, I had, it took for me personally, it took a mentor to tell me, and the movies were good at this too, because I could identify, but having that direct person who had fruit on the tree say, yo, this is what you do. This is why I'm investing in you. Um, I'm investing, I, and really it took Rob Critchlow as an entrepreneur to say, look, you remind me of me when I was 22 years old. Yeah. You remind me of me when I was in my twenties, or you remind, let me save you some trouble here, son. <laughs> and, uh, and let me, let me share some things that you can bypass. Uh, so it took, you know, it really took people like Rob Critchlow, Larry Koval, Londi Vicarone, Sam Alfonso, other mentors. To, and, that, and then I would say Gary Vaynerchuk from a distance, right? Yeah. Whether you like him or not, he has been one of the greatest examples of helping me understand who I am um, because he just gives away the keys and keeps giving away the keys. Yeah. He's like, yo, I'm going to keep going for this. I'm living on a dream. I'm living, and you know, if you, I, I want more people on the ride. I want more people on the journey. I want a community and I'm not afraid of other people's gifts or skill settings. Especially if you're a team builder, you can't be afraid of those things. So I think a misconception of entrepreneurship is you want to use sports like giftings and principles, but don't mistake it for competition. Mm. Don't get caught up. Don't bring that competitive spirit to the degree that it, it cripples your create cripples your opportunity for creativity and collaboration. Yeah. 
it's, it's confident. What I would say is do double down on leadership and leadership development, like you talked about earlier, and confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Because that opens the door for real creativity and collaboration. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree. I like, I like what you said, you know, the journey of entrepreneurship is somewhat kind of a discovery of becoming who you are truly are. And I 100% agree with you. It's, it's this process. You start realizing, Oh, I feel more at balanced. Balance isn't the right word. I feel more, more aligned when yeah and, alive. yeah and alive when i'm doing something that i'm really passionate about and even though i'm dealing with a really crappy situation or dealing with a really annoying problem or you know dealing with problems that i never had to deal with when i had my own business you have this um there's this drive to just figure it out that i don't think you can really flex or develop that muscle unless you're in it. Um, and then to your, in your last point, because I think it was just, it's just so well put, people would never understand how collaborative and helpful entrepreneurs really are. You just have to ask. <laughs> you really, you really just have to ask like, Yes, there's a competitive nature because we want to be the best. We want to be the most profitable business. We want to be at the top. But, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk uh, says something that I, I, I really appreciate and I love the mentality, which is if you want to build the biggest building, just build the biggest building. You don't need to tear other people's buildings down. Just build the biggest building and you'd be surprised at how many people around you will help you build that building. <laughs> And using the sports analogy again, I have a good friend who reminded me, you know, that when they're on the court, they look as fierce and like enemies as possible. When it's Draymond Green and LeBron James on the court, they look like they don't look like they're on the same team. They're all they're not on the same yeah. team. And that's they look like they hate each other. <laughs> yeah, they look like they hate each other. But what I heard is stories when they're in the locker room, they're brothers. Yeah. Yeah. They're brothers, they're family, they're friends off the court, you know, so you have a small window when there's really that competitive zone, when it really comes to the lab and it comes to, you know, you're in an incubator accelerator and you guys are going for funding. But at the end of the day, off the court, you, you still use sportsmanship on the court, Yeah. but then you use, you leverage sportsmanship and, and tap into that on the court, but it's relationship, relationship. When you're not in the game, when you're not in that, those are few and far between. Yeah. And there's, and there's, and even when you think about it, just take a step back, there's 350 to so say 400 NBA players in the world. Those are their people, right? <laughs> Not many people on earth can actually understand what it's like to play in an NBA game. So of course they're all friends <laughs> because no one else is experiencing life, the life that they're living. So, um, you know, I think it's just such a well put, put point. Um, Okay, what's a question I should ask the next guest or future guest? Oh, question you should ask a future guest. Oh, man. If you had, if, let me think here for a second. 
Oh, man, what if you had if you had to look at your business like a major metropolitan city, what metropolitan city is your business? That's a good one. I like that one. Okay, now you got to answer it. What's your business or what city is your business? Oh, man. All right. So so back to soccer again. Forward to soccer is uh, forward. Get it? my goalies um so so oh i would have to say you know messi was just in nashville miami was just in there so it's like man if miami somehow miami and nashville could could come up with a uh a joint venture uh but yeah nashville where i'm nashville in nashville yeah with a miami if i could put the two together that's really my major you know Ooh, I like Cleveland, Nashville, Miami are my like that's like my my triangle, my um big part of my heart. But you know, Nash I mean really Nashville is kinda like my grandma's house that's getting upgraded every day. You know, it's long term legacy, right? <laughs> For real. Yeah. Miami though is like whew, there's so much like so much uh, action. Yeah. So but but I still but I'll still if I had to pick one, I would say Nashville and the new Nashville. I call it the new Nashville. I like it. I like it. Brandon David, this has been awesome. The last official question is tell people how they can find you, feel they can connect with you and learn about all the great stuff you're doing. Yeah, the best way to connect with me, uh, believe it or not, is LinkedIn. Um, Brandon David, one word, last name. If you usually put in Brandon David is one word, then hit the space bar. My last name will show up, Hawkins, Brandon David, space, Hawkins. You can connect with me there. Uh, Cleveland, Nashville at gmail.com. Also, music tech connection at gmail.com are great ways uh, to connect. And my Instagram also is Brandon David, one word, underscore, music tech connect. Awesome. Thank you, man. This has been amazing. And you, you, uh, and you can find me in those streets, Cleveland, Nashville, Miami. Let's go. <laughs> and, and in my can't come to my home, but you can find me in the streets. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate it. Bless you, man. Thank you so much, Boyega. You keep, you know, I just want to bless your community. I just, you know, do not give up. Keep taking steps forward. If there's anything I could personally do, feel free to reach out to Boyega or reach out to me direct. If there's anything ourselves, our advisors, or anybody can do for you, we are accessible. Seriously. Um, so, and I encourage you to stay connected with the host of this program because he's doing a great job connecting some dots and, and helping lead the way. So anything we could do, just reach out to him and I'm sure he'll be glad to connect us um, as well. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a friend and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit BeHelpfulPodcast.com for more content, tools, and resources that will help you along your entrepreneurial journey. Thanks for listening and see you next time.